<clears throat> Welcome to Store Brand. I'm T.O. And I'm Brandon. And today we are doing, um, we're revisiting something we've done a couple times already that has been a good deal of fun in the past. What we call crossover chicken. Yay. So what we do is me and Brandon each chose something, but neither of us, like like a, a franchise of some kind, but yeah. neither of us told the other guy what we picked. And so what what we're doing is we're going to come up with a story crossing the two over with um, without like preparing any research of the other guy's thing in advance. Yeah, and it's it's extremely random stuff. Like literally the first time we did it, I chose Saw, like the movie franchise, and Tio chose um the anime slash manga series Spice and Wolf. Um, yeah. But that that managed to, to actually pan out pretty pretty well. And then the second time we did it, I chose Breaking Bad and Tio chose Frankenstein. And that, yeah. that seemed to pan out pretty well. So just showing the randomness there. Yeah, this is our third time doing this. So we've got we've got hopefully another weird combination ready for you. Yeah. It's gonna it's probably gonna be a long time doing this concept before we manage to get any like repeat visitors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So Brandon, um I think it's tradition at this point to have you go over yours first. All right, so this is gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting. We'll see how it pans out with whatever you chose because i I have like five or six different things that I have written down, but I chose one of them for this episode, and the one I chose is the Purge franchise. Oh holy crap okay. And for those, I, I should mention, I guess, for those that don't know anything about The Purge, which I would be surprised, like... The Purge is what <laughs> like we before we started recording today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, like, I remember when I was in, like, late middle school, when the first Purge movie came out, which, in my honest opinion, is the worst one. When it first came out, like, everyone... It's, it's like the middle school, like barely any brain in you type thought of like what would you do during the purge like how would you survive during the purge like that type of middle school cafeteria talk basically it was everywhere like it wasn't just in my school it was it was huge everyone was talking about it even if most of us didn't see it then because our parents weren't going to go take us to that movie yeah um but uh but yeah so the purge basically here's the thing the purge movies take place in the United States, but with whatever T.O. chooses, we can easily change this. We can yeah, still make it we can still make it a part of like the purge franchise and I can explain something that happened for it to work with TOs. But basically it takes place in the United States and there's like a new government system, there's like new founding fathers, like it you don't really see it, but you hear about it from characters throughout the the progression of the series of how like America was in like such turmoil. There was so much poverty, like people were 
dying. There's famine and all this stuff. And then new founding fathers came about. And uh, one of the things they instituted was the purge, which is a annual uh, 12 hour period where all crime is legal. Uh, when you're very young and you hear that, it's like, oh, that's really cool. But like, as you get older, it's, it's extremely stupid. It's like, yes. how the heck did the, how the heck did this come about? Like, I, ultimately, these movies are kind of like uh, satirizing America a little bit. Yeah. Um, a, as they keep progressing, they they satirize America with each each installment. But like, even then, it's like this is like beyond stupid. Like, like that this happened. That that like America allowed this thing to happen. Um, but yeah, so for twelve hour. Pe- 12 hour period from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. All crime is legal in the United States, except for like specific things. Like you can't like like rank 10, like the government officials have like ranks and like rank 10 and higher government officials are like immune. So you can't go after them. It's like little bull crap stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, that's the basic gist of the purge. Um, oh boy, I'm I'm almost considering changing mine <laughs> after the rundown there. Um, because okay, and for anyone uh wondering uh, like about the purge, um, like firstly, it has been parodied and satirized in a ton of other things as well. Oh um, yeah, yeah, like by itself, but also uh for like an effective satirization slash transplant to a different franchise of like the purge concept uh there is an episode of rick and morty that explores it okay um they they you know they make fun of it but also like actually kind of effectively um show off how it could work in something outside its own franchise as well yeah yeah which which no one not in the movies or anything like the main characters you follow no one's like uh especially what i mean is like the showrunners like the people that are making the movies no one's like yeah "Yeah, this is like cool this is a good idea like uh there's characters within the movies that are like psychos that love it because like it gets to the point where like the third purge movie is like 20 to 30 years into like the purge being a thing to where like there are people who have like been born and been alive since the beginning of the purge or like they they've never witnessed a world without the purge to where like some of those people it's like 18 19 year olds are just like psychos yeah but all right oh boy okay so we'll see how this works out then um so the one that i was planning to bring to the table uh <laughs> is a uh, fairy tale the anime series okay um so for anyone who is unaware fairy tale is um a shonen action anime series um that takes place in the fantasy world of fiore um on the continent of fiore i should say they call their world like earthland or something but okay. um 
But yeah, it takes place on the fantasy continent of Fiore. No, no, wait. Sorry, I keep messing up. The country is called Fiore, not the whole continent. It's in the fantasy country of Fiore. Do you got that? Yes. Are we all good? Do we all understand this? All right, then quit confusing me. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, all, it takes place in the fantasy country of Fiore, where there is a system of guilds for wizards. Um, and like magic is commonplace in this country um, to the extent that like even if you're not a wizard, you've got like magical items in your house that like, you know, do things for you. Like that's how uh magic is just how people live in this world. It's replaced technology. Yeah. Um but those who are particularly skilled at magic, especially when it comes to channeling it through their own bodies, are referred to as wizards. And um wizards, you know, they're high level magic users who often uh, are hired to solve, like, some of the world's bigger problems and take on, like, harder jobs. Um, Like, when it comes to, like, uh, retrieving special items or defeating uh, intimidating monsters um, or even uh, defending people from uh, criminal wizards. Um, If you need something done, you hire one of the good wizards from the guilds to do it. And the specific guild that this series focuses on is called Fairy Tale, with tail being spelled T-A-I-L, like an animal's tail. Um, and the reason that the Fairy Tale Guild is named as such is because uh, no one has seen fairies, so no one knows whether or not fairies have tails. And because it's an eternal question, that makes it an eternal adventure. Okay. Um, and that's the spirit of fairy tale that it's it's meant to be an unending um, adventure for all who join. Yeah, yeah. Um, fairy tale uh, often seems to function as a surrogate family to anyone who joins the guild. Um, if you bear the fairy tale tattoo anywhere on your body, um, that is a bond stronger than blood. Like if you're a member of the fairy tale guild, you are you are closer than family to them. Okay. For uh, listener, Tio is actually a member of the fairy tale. Yes, world. I do have a fairy tale tattoo on my right shoulder. Um. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, the um, like fairy tale is one of my all time favorite anime series, and I don't care uh, how you know how cringy and power of friendshipy the the show can be at times and i like i like it fairy tale was there for me at a point in my life where like i was alone a lot more than i am now i didn't really have anyone to talk to or hang out with um fairy tale essentially the the very purpose that the fairy tale guild serves the people who join it in the fiction of the show kind of served the same purpose to me um it was there when i when i needed someone to just be around. Oh, okay. Um, so fairy tale is very important to me personally. So that's kind of why I'm considering changing my answer. Sorry, Frankie. Sure. Yeah, because it, it, it's up to you. Because I was about to say, if we uh, if we do go with fairy tale, the country you're talking about is now run by an awful government and purges a thing within this universe. Oof. Yeah. Okay. I'm kind of. I do have a backup. So. Okay. 
Um, but before we get into that, real quick, I'll be right back. I think my dog does need to go outside. That's some interesting looking fungi growing in our backyard now. Yeah. Got mushrooms growing on one of the trees. I'm glad you said backyard. Because for some reason, anytime I think of fungi now, I think of like toe fungus and stuff. Oh, oof, oof. Yeah, we've um, you know, uh, we've got one of those mushrooms. You know, like those. Oh, Frankie, you need to pick a better place to go. Um, you know, but you know, like uh, those sorts of mushrooms that, like you, like in video games, if you're in like a forest level, they're big platforms along the side of a tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. We we got one of those growing on a tree in our backyard now. Yeah, those are cool. Yeah, but with the, with the it looks like a red plate. Oh, the red ones, yeah, those are really cool. Yeah, those are cool to look at. It's only one though; it hasn't sprouted any other heads yet. Oh, uh, gotcha. Should test to see if you can hop up it, and then it's like, oh, video games lied to me. Yeah, this this mushroom that's barely large enough to support more than three of my toes. <laughs> okay, so I do have a backup for this one. This I think is going to end up being our first time having a backup. Okay. Uh, for the crossover, because I really don't know that the purge will fit well into Fairy Tale. Now that, now that we mention it, yeah. So I'll, I'll save. Uh, well, I'm not even gonna say it. It's a spoiler <laughs> for for a, a future episode. I had an idea, which yeah. is like, if you if you popped Fairy Tale in into that episode, it's like, oh, that's even worse for him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll save Fairy Tale for later. Maybe next time. Maybe not. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, we'll we'll save fairy tale for later. So my other one that I think this would fit a lot better with is um, I'm trying to think of what title to go with. I'll just go with the title of the core series because it's kind of a shared universe. Um, a certain magical index. Oh, that's what. Um... Yeah, that's that's the title. A certain magical okay. index. Bad title, I know. Um, but that's, I think, the literal Japanese translation to English. Yeah. So, you know, and you see, for everyone out there who's like, oh, just translate the Japanese titles for everything. Shut up. You get stuff like that when you do that. Yeah. A certain magical index. Ooh, su- such a compelling title. Yeah, that's the problem. Is it? The problem is, is all the posters I'm seeing, they have index in the big, the big font. Yeah. And. No one really cares about index. Yeah, well, yeah, because index is the word you're supposed to be focusing on, and it does have two at this point sister shows: a certain scientific railgun and a certain scientific accelerator. Which, boy, those are a mouthful. Um, Between the three shows, railgun is actually my favorite, but uh, the core show is index. Gotcha. Um, So, all right, here's a rundown of the world index takes place in. So, it takes place in an area, like a city in like the Tokyo area, um, referred to as Academy City, because more than 80% of the population is students of high school age or younger. Um, and in this city, the particular field of study that most schools seem to specialize in is the study of espers, or people with psychic powers. Um and the development of those powers for these people. Um, And the thing is, technically, anyone can possess psychic powers. 
it just all depends on your own mental capacity for being able to develop. Okay. Um, so level zero is someone who has not developed psychic powers, and it goes all the way up to level five in terms of power. Um, so yeah, level zero is someone without psychic powers. Level one is someone with a power that could barely be considered convenient. Um, level two is someone with a power that you would say probably improves day-to-day -day life a little bit more, but other than that, probably doesn't have much application. Level mm -hmm. three is where you get to people who can probably actively fight with their powers. Level four is someone on the like upper power level scale. This is probably a more dangerous person. And level five is one of the most powerful people on the planet. Okay. Like, like how powerful? Like, um, okay, so we'll take the main level five in the series, uh, Misaka, um, mm -hmm. also known as Railgun, because she possesses electrical powers. Um, the I want to say upper threshold of her power involves being able to magnetically manipulate iron dusts all over the city to the extent that she can create a kaiju-sized body out of it. Oh, okay. She is incredibly powerful. Um, and then the most powerful level five in the city is known as Accelerator. He has the ability to manipulate vectors, which means that anything that, like, is in motion, he can redirect its kinetic energy um, as long as he makes contact with the vector. Uh, so, for example, uh, let's say you have a cut and um, he touches your cut. He is now in contact. The, the vector that he is in contact with is um, your blood, like your blood flow. Yeah. Uh, he could shred your body from the inside by reversing your blood flow if he touches it. Dang. Um, he can also, let's say he kicks the ground, which means the vector he's in contact with is the kinetic energy flowing from his foot into the ground. He can launch boulders uh, from the ground by doing that. Uh, okay, I gotcha. Um, however, he did sustain a brain injury which means that he's unable to perform the calculations necessary to do that on his own anymore. And he does require like a fancy little uh, device that runs the math for him when he needs it. Okay. And if that device gets turned off, he, his brain is too damaged to be able to figure out how to use his power without it anymore. Okay. Like he, he literally can't do the math that he needs to do to make his own power function without help. So uh, that's a, a nice little limitation for the number one most powerful character in the series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's more of an anti-hero. He started as a villain and then kind of has been on his way through a redemption arc for a while. But yeah, but the main character, the main, main character between the three of them, because I've kind of given a rundown of the two other main characters, because there's a bit of a trio here. Um but the main main character is a boy named uh, Toma Kamijo. Um, and he's a level zero. He doesn't have any powers, as far as anyone knows. Mm -hmm. he, and he's also got horrible, horrible luck. Um, and but, but there is one thing that's special about him, though, that he tends to try to keep secret. His right hand... Um, or rather his right arm, more specifically, 
has the power to uh, nullify any other supernatural abilities. Oh, okay. So if anyone tries using their powers on him as long as contact with them with his right arm, they'll be unable to affect him. Okay. Um, and because his right arm is in contact with the rest of his body, this does mean that he can just passively resist people who try to affect his mind as well. For the most part. Okay, I got you. Um, so one day Toma finds a little nun just kind of on his balcony at his at his tiny little apartment room that he lives in in Academy City mm-hmm. um, and he brings her inside and he feeds her and the nun reveals that her name is Index um, and she through him Toma learns that magic is a real thing uh, and all the magic in the world is like has a basis in like real world religions. Like, yeah. for example, all the magic stuff that tends to happen around Index is very heavily influenced by like old fashioned Catholicism. Okay. Um, hence the little nun outfit that she wears. Yeah. Um, and the reason she is named Index is because while she can't really perform magic herself. Um, buried deep in her brain is a full library of all of like the forbidden magical books that have ever been written. Okay. So if anyone with bad intentions gets to her and manages to use their magic to strip all the informa- information they need out of her brain, they'll have like all of the power of the forbidden magic on the planet. So um, Toma kind of has taken it upon himself to help protect her. Okay, I gotcha. Um, and also, one thing that she kind of theorizes is that the reason that Toma has such bad luck is because with his right arm uh, resisting all supernatural effects, she thinks that he is literally um, shielded by this arm from God's grace. Which causes okay. all of like the bad luck in the world to kind of converge on him. Yeah. His his <laughs> his right arm is so resistant to supernatural stuff that God literally can't even help him if he wanted to. <laughs> so uh it's like he so this guy's got just the most rotten luck in the world. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which he frequently laments. Um damn my rotten luck is kind of his catchphrase. So my question is the the magic stuff, is it just within Tokyo or is it all of Japan? It's or... all over the world. Okay, um, all over the world. Okay. Index herself, I believe, is supposed to be English. Okay. Um but yeah, like uh, all of the obviously most of the story focuses on Japan. There have been like some larger arcs that have taken the main characters outside Japan. Like uh I think the furthest along in the timeline right now, because all three shows kind of bounce around the timeline a little bit if you're wa- trying to watch all three of them together. Yeah. Um, but the furthest along in the timeline is the main Index series. And so, like, the last major thing that has happened within the anime's timeline is that, like, World War Three basically started and all of the major characters, like, were in Russia fighting this big magic war. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, like Toma, Accelerator, and Misaka all like went to Russia at some point in that arc um, 
to participate in the weird goings on. Yeah. So yeah, it's um it's certainly interesting. It's a very interesting universe with a very large cast of likable characters who all like do their own unique things. Yeah. Um it's it's got, in my opinion, very creative uses for rather generic superpowers. Um, and the way that it explores like the magic of its world is also interesting because magic is by no means simple in this world. It's never just wave your hands and a thing happens. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's a certain magical index. The the okay. index verse is, I think, what a lot of people call it. Okay, I'm thinking of two possibilities. Yeah. Oh, and also, I should say, one of the reasons I think this blends better with The Purge is it's already well-known within, like, the Indexverse amongst, you know, fans that the, like, governing body of Academy City is pretty shady. Okay, okay. Sorry, I just wanted to get that out there real quick. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. All right, my two ideas... One is either it's the governing body of Academy City or it's just the governing body of Japan. Um, over time, maybe maybe it's a governing body that doesn't really care for magic all that much. And so they don't say this to the people, but a big reason they start this purge in the country is to try to whittle out magic users. And it could possibly be the the governing body is like high-level magic users and they just want to be the best or whatever. Um, I feel like that is shockingly in character because magic is in this world. Like, while psychic powers are well-known to be a real thing, magic is not. And um, But I do believe that, like the shady people in the high levels of Academy City's government know magic is real and they don't like it. So yeah. that that sounds shockingly like an actual arc that could happen within this world. Okay. Yeah, it, it could basically be uh um well here's the thing. Okay, so for this to happen, you might have to, to time jump a little bit or just rearrange some stuff with uh, a certain magical index but possibly there were a couple magic based like Japan 9-11s or something um, to where the the country is just not in shambles but just panicked and all this stuff and that's what eventually leads to them electing specific people who want to cause this, have this purge every year for two reasons. One, people that know about the the magic users and stuff, at least 50% of them don't like magic users because of these incidences that happen. These basically Japanese 9-11s from the magic users. So that gives them a little opportunity of like, Hey, like 
I mean, I'm not going to be able to go after like a level four or five or whatever. But hey, like, I could go and kill a, a one or two, get get my quote unquote revenge. That's not how it is, but we're going in purge logic. Um, uh, that as well as, um, yeah, the governing body just wanting to whittle down the magic users and the overall population is okay with this or even if they weren't okay with this you just cheated in the votes and and this came about all right so there are actually i think a couple of events that take place in index's timeline that i think could already be used as justification for that okay um for starters there was a major event um it's been a a few years since i've seen this particular arc though so i my memory will be a little fuzzy on it but there was a major event that involved i think potentially the summoning of an angel um or at least a spirit that resembled an angel um that caused quite a bit of destruction um and a couple of uh high level magic users showed up with you know opposing uh uh goals in this particular situation um it did eventually resolve itself but there was still quite a bit of destruction that took place yeah if i'm remembering correctly and then um something that happened a little more recently in terms of uh anime episodes coming out is um there was a point where misika herself was kind of the center of a major event in which someone like a scientist was trying to help Misika ascend to the mythical level six. Um, even though that she didn't want that, that was against her will. Yeah. But he was trying to get her to become a level six Esper, which is like not something that has even been proven possible yet. It's always been theoretical. Um, however, um, apparently in the process that would have led to her ascension to level six, it would have functionally made her an angel, um, which are incredibly powerful spirits in the world of uh, Index. Yeah. Um, And it took Toma and another guy basically uh, um, working together to get Toma's right hand in contact with Misika's body to undo her ascension. Um, Yeah. But that was also a pretty big thing where uh, Misika was like not herself in that moment, not really in her right mind. Um, So she, you know, did quite a bit of stuff. Plus also she's had a few, as I said before, she can like make metal Kaiju bodies by magnetically moving like iron dust. Uh, So she's already done a few things like in her right mind that have led to some major battles. Um, She, you know, she blows up a lot of stuff. Uh, Toma is around things that blow up a lot. Accelerator has blown up quite a few things. All their friends have a tendency to blow up a lot of things too. Things blow up in Academy City. So, uh, and a lot of it has to do with either magic or psychic people. Um, okay. But yeah, so like there are a few events that we can just kind of say the events of the series led to this in general. Yeah, yeah. And you can just say that this. This extended more than just from Academy City. Like, this rippled throughout Japan. Yeah. Um, which basically led to them eventually doing this. Like, like 
having having this come about this this purge where yeah like like here's the thing though they 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 do say like yeah like it'll be on this day this time for this duration each year so for those that want to get out of japan they can but that's also another thing with the japanese government right here is yes they want magic people to basically thin the herd wipe each other out as well as who which regular citizens can't leave because they don't have the money the the poor impoverished so they're left there and they're also like well this will also help us thin out the 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 impoverished that'll help us out and stuff so that's basically for the most part what's left in japan yes you do have like middle class and and even some rich people that stay just because they like the thrill of it or whatever um but i'm sure at least a third of the middle class and rich people leave because they're like this is messed up like during that time they leave and then they come back once all this is over yeah makes sense but uh Um, so yeah i i feel like a few of the uh a few of the um higher level espers would probably leave them too because some of them tend to be upper class yeah, yeah, like, uh, which, which even, um, some of them can secretly be a part of the, the big governing body. Cause again, going with purge rules, the level blah, blah, blah in the purge, like this level government official and up are immune, which also in this, you can say they're immune. And even if someone tries to go after them, it's like that person's going to die anyway because they're super powerful. Yeah, but uh, that's still like a law or a rule because the people don't know that that person is a magic user. They just think they're a high-level government person. Yeah, um, one person, one technically non-magical person that I do think would probably be a priority target during a purge as well would probably be Accelerator because it's been well demonstrated in the in the series that he could topple a government if he wanted to. Mm. Is he a uh, good guy, bad He's guy? He's kind of anti-hero-ish. Okay. He was introduced as a villain, but he's been on a bit of a redemption arc. Okay. Um, one of the things that Accelerator is most devoted to doing is there is a little girl that he is protecting named uh, Last Order. Um, or uh, also Misaka is another name you could call her. But they usually call her Last Order because they call her Misaka is confusing when there's another Misaka running around. Yeah, yeah. Because here's the thing. Last Order is one of more than 10,000 clones of Misaka. Oh, okay. Um, She's sort of a control node for the electromagnetic network that the clones all communicate on. Um, yeah. like they have their own like personal radio network that they use their electrical superpowers to communicate with each other on. And... Okay. Um, so I believe there are only about 5,000 clones of Misaka left or so, something like that. Mm. Um, either that, or, I don't remember exactly how many there are left, 
maybe there are still like 10,000 left. I think they made 20,000 clones, but 10,000 mm. of them are dead. I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah, that's a lot of clones. Um, but, <laughs> but, so yeah, there's a lot of clones of Misaka, and they're referred to as the sisters. Um, and none of them are as powerful as Misaka. Um, they all mostly just can do little electrical things. Um, but uh, anytime they pop up in Misaka's life, she's got to try and play it off like it's the same twin sister every time. Oh, okay, um, I gotcha. Because all of the uh, sisters can communicate with each other through a personal radio network, they all have the same information. So it's easy for them to play it off like they're just her weird twin sister as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, but the reason all those clones exist is because the first time the concept of level six is introduced, it's with an experiment in which these scientists were trying to get Accelerator to ascend to level six. And so they uh, ran like some simulations and figured, okay, so Accelerator can ascend to level six after either fighting and killing Misaka herself like a hundred times or so, or fighting and killing like 20,000 clones of her that are a fraction of her power um, uh, over a course of a few years. So like it all comes down to fighting and killing Misaka a couple hundred times um, yeah. for him to ascend to level six, basically. And he was on board with that experiment at first because he was told that like, these are just like, these things don't have real lives. They're not real people. It's okay to kill them. Mm -hmm. Um, but when Misaka found out, she didn't like this. She Firstly, she didn't like that her DNA was being used for something like this. And also, yeah. the way she saw it, like, all these clones are individuals with their own lives. Um, because she met one one day and got to know her. Um, and then that very same day, uh, that clone died fighting Accelerator. Oh, okay. Um, so... You know, Misaka obviously got to see a side of her own clones that Accelerator didn't get to see. And it wasn't until after Misaka and Toma together fought and defeated Accelerator and ruined the experiment that Accelerator was able to see it from a new perspective. And he realized, like, no, these girls are human beings with their own, like, thoughts and, and desires. And so when he met Last Order, who was physically, like, the youngest and smallest of all of the sisters he decided that he was going to take it upon himself to protect her. Okay. So that is a weakness that can be exploited for him as well during a purge. Yeah, I was also thinking he... Uh... Not saying he's the main character, but he wouldn't be bad to uh... to run into at least. Because like, the, purge, the Purge movies, the setting is... Okay, purge is happening, 12 hours, crime's legal. Yeah. Um, but it follows like a set of characters, like yeah. a group or a mom and daughter or, or stuff like that. It usually follows a set of people. It doesn't like show 20 different people yeah. throughout the purge. It's usually like someone trying to survive the purge. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think focusing on a specific set of characters and then having them cross paths with other characters over the course of the purge would be yeah. a more interesting uh, uh, system for 
making this work. So who? Uh, there, uh, are, there are plenty of characters who could pop up during a purge like this as a random encounter that would be a roadblock or a help. Yeah. Who, um, remind me the, the two or three main characters or, or the characters that stick together. Um, but only like two or three of them. All right. You have the main guy who else other than him. All right. So there is, yeah, there's Toma, the main guy who cancels out other people's powers. Index is the nun who follows him around. There's Misaka, the railgun with her electric powers. She also has um, her roommate who is a teleporter. Um, and then they have, you know, a couple of friends who either have low power or no power. Um, Accelerator himself, who's also got last order with him. Um, there's all of the Misaka sisters. Um, then there's, uh, let's see here. Uh, oh, and then as for like magic people who tend to hang around Toma. There's this guy named Style Magnus. Dumb name, but <laughs> interesting character. Who uh, He mostly does, like, fire magic. Um, and then, like, there's a friend that Toma has who specializes in feng shui because that's a type of magic. Um, I, I'm, I'm not joking about that. Feng shui is an actual type of magic. Um, <laughs> um yeah, and I think generally that's like a decent enough rundown of who would be focused on. Like, who I would could say, yeah, yeah, I would say uh, the main focus be Toma, Misaka, and Index. Is that the nun? Yeah, Index. Is the okay, so those three, we'd say this magic purge. I don't really want to say it's like the first year. We'd say it's like the second or third year, whatever that. Uh, the purge has been going on. I don't know why I said magic purge. It's purge for the whole country, but the the main reason is to wipe out magic people. Um, but uh, those three, because this happens in the purge movies as well, those three, they don't like dip out of the country or anything. They stay to help and protect magic users like like low level magic users as well as like humans and stuff that like yeah, yeah they come across like a level three or four it's like yeah that human's toast like yeah. they're they're basically going around responding to people and with you mentioning the misaka thing that helps a lot she has a, a, that telepathic network with all these thousands of clones and they're scattered throughout so whenever they because they're they're somewhat in on it Whenever yeah, well, they, she would have to verbally communicate with one of the sisters because I don't think she's a part of their network. Oh, okay, I gotcha. The cl the clones have a network with each other, but she's not on their frequency. Okay, okay, that that's fine then. That'll work. Uh, yeah, I can work with that as it progresses. But those three, they're almost I... like a an ambulance roaming around during the purge. One, like trying to help people, and two, like like help them if they're injured or hurt or whatever as well as to like protect people i could see that possibly all right now i do think that does naturally segue into um th there is a little bit of a natural expansion of the cast that can happen there because um misika's friends in particular firstly her roommate kuroko the teleporter mm -hmm. um as well as their friend ueharu are both members of a student organization called Judgment, which is basically like hall monitors for the entire city. 
Um, yeah. they, they're they effectively a student police force. They don't have as much authority or jurisdiction um, as the actual police force in the city, but they have enough that they can make like student arrests um, and uh, things like that. Yeah, um, which this, I mean, it's the purge. Like they, they, they still yeah, do they're have not that to arrest someone, but they, they still are also like kind of a, they help with disaster relief as well. Oh yeah, yeah. The the reason I mentioned that is like yeah, they still have that that teamwork and stuff like that to where yeah, they're they're going to be helping people out. Yeah. Plus um, they have they have their non-powered friend Satin who tends to keep her ears to the ground and gather information all the time. Okay. So she would probably also help with like directing them towards people who need help. Yeah. What what I would say though um with a lot of these other characters they're scattered throughout tokyo or japan just trying to help like they're not all just in one city because because the reason i say this is the second or third purge they've all witnessed how it's like they've all like dedicated themselves to staying for these purges so that they can try to mitigate casualties and and help people um along the way with this type of stuff hmm. and, and likely are the three main characters toma you you follow toma index and misaka those three you see them you you like everyone is is doing their helping stuff you can imagine what everyone is doing but we can't go to every single character yeah those three you focus on what they're doing helping people and stuff um and then like like you can have magic battles and then people dying or them helping people who are about to die, that sort of stuff. And then eventually they run into uh accelerator and the clone. And what you can do with that is like, they're, they're res- responding to like some crazy magic area or whatever. They're trying to help people there. And it could be, like they run into accelerator and the clone and they see like, like accelerator and the clone have been like running this whole night. And you said accelerator was pretty powerful, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, okay. He's, he's the, um, number one ranked level five Esper in the city, which means okay. he is effectively like by any objective metric, powerful person in the city. Yeah, so so they see like normally you can mention this in in the the show movie whatever this is. It could be that Accelerator possibly has like a a uh, a rebellion group or something like that because you mentioned he's not really for the government body yeah. type stuff. So it makes sense for him to have like a rebellion group try to like. Uh, go after these government officials and stuff like that. But you could say during this purge, like that kind of got broke up, not saying the whole rebellion group got killed or whatever, but like things kind of went South by probably like a huge magic based government army trying to suss him out maybe. Um, And maybe, uh, they know about the clones. And so they're after this 
clone because they they've seen her, they've spotted oh, her. Oh yeah, the the government definitely knows about the clones. It was like a government funded experiment that made them. To okay, yeah. So so they're trying to go after the clones here as well as wipe out this rebellion group and and it gets broken up and stuff. And now he's on the run basically. Even with him being this powerful, it's just it's too much for him. Yeah. Uh, where he's on the run with uh, this clone. And in the midst of like this chaos, that's when uh, Toma, Misaka, and Index like run into those two. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think could be an interesting end game for this, then, like how, like a finale for it, like basically someone to punch at the end of the story, mm-hmm. um, is one thing that could definitely be done. Is we'd probably just have to make an original character for this because I it can't. Doesn't. I can't think of any villains that have been introduced over the course of the series that do something like this. Yeah, but that's someone is using all of the death that is taking place over the course of the night um, as a sacrifice for like a major summoning that they're something like that. They're trying okay. to Maybe. Basically convert the death into magic power. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it could be. be... Like a bad guy. It could be whoever's like this commander or this general of this uh, uh, magic mini army, basically, that was going, that was trying to wipe out this rebellion. Because one, it's like, hey, we wipe out the rebellion. I'm I'm top rank in, in this, this government society or whatever, as well as what you're talking about um, through them wiping out all these people as well as as they're going about they're not just like killing uh they're not just trying to kill accelerator or the clone or anything it's like anyone in their path they just like just kill yeah and so yeah that that builds to that summoning that that person is trying to do as well All right. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's kind of like a basic outline right there. Yeah. And yeah, like like the from there, obviously, like uh, they're they're on the run. You get good character moments as as they're hiding and different stuff. And and you also now that they're with uh, the clone and stuff, uh, they can talk with the clone and like ask like like. Uh, what's going on over here or what's going on in this part of the city or that part of the city, whatever it is, because the clones are all scattered about yeah. and whatnot. Um, so they've got like better eyes and ears with that sort of thing. Um, there could be moments where uh, they get help from, uh, cause there are various, um, various like uh, branches of the church with like secret um, operations in the city as it is. So like, get moments where like they get help from like the Roman Orthodox. People. Yeah. 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 They, they get, they get shelter. They, they get hidden for a little while while they're, cause again, for, for those that don't know the purge, it's 12 hours. So yeah. they're, they're needing to survive till morning. Yeah. Um, have a fight with, Ooh, okay. There's, there's one character who I think would absolutely like fight because she would thrive in a purge. There's a character named Mugino, um, who her power is 
she generates balls of green plasma that float around her body and fires immensely powerful laser blasts from them. Um, so, and she is exactly the sort of person who would enjoy a purge based on what I've seen of her. Uh, good guy, bad guy? Bad guy, definitely bad guy. Okay. This would definitely be someone you see, because this happens in purge movies, someone you see like... Uh, that they're trying to avoid or whatever that you just see is just like loving the purge and just, just enjoying it, just slaughtering people. And they either skirt by her or uh, they're skirting by her. She sees them and and a fight ensues, that sort of thing. Cause in the, um, in the actual series, she was a part of like a, a, like an underground criminal group. She was their leader. And at like literally the slightest hint of betrayal, she straight up murdered one of her friends and started hunting all the others. Dang. Yeah. She's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, she definitely gave Misaka some trouble when they had a, a couple of fights, I think, over the course of the season. I think they had more than one fight. Okay. But yeah, so but she she gave Misaka a lot of trouble when they first met. She's one of the other level fives in the city. I gotcha. But yeah, you you have uh, R five, like like Badland people like that. Like you, you see the psychos and stuff like her yeah. out and about as well. Um, but you also see, including them, them being helpers. You see people like uh, the church helping and stuff like that. They're hiding, and eventually it gets towards the end. There's like an hour left, less than an hour left of the purge, and that's when they're confronted and and they can't really go anywhere and that's when they have to do battle with this mini magic army but maybe throughout the night they've kind of evaded groups of it to where whenever you get to that battle it's just the the main uh bad guy the commander or general or whatever and then like a few of his troops or whatever yeah All right. Neat. But yeah, and, and then like you could have the battle end um like like uh it would would are all of the characters okay with killing or is that more of an accelerator thing or um, I believe it's mostly accelerator. I know Misaka avoids it for the most part and Toma doesn't typically have the means to straight up kill someone. Um, However, nearly every single fight Toma is involved with ends the same way, which is one final really solid punch from his right hand. Okay. Square in the face. Okay, so what you could do... um, Yeah, the final blow to the bad guy general, they, they took out the troops. Not saying they killed him, but they're taken out maybe some were killed by accelerator or whatever toma lands that one solid punch to the general or commander um he's on the ground and uh like clocks ticking like like there's like 15 20 seconds left before the the big alarm goes off at 7 or 6 a.m saying the annual purge is over uh i hope you had a fun time or whatever um but uh yeah, Toma gives that that final knockout, 
And the guy, like, he can't get up. He's like, he's he's not knocked out, but he's just on the ground, just like, Ugh. and accelerator walks over, like, ready to like kill him, and like he's he's like gearing up, charging up. I'm assuming he has like some sort of magic based thing where you can kind of well, charge him or whatever. Oh, sorry, sorry, psychic. Like he's he's uh, yeah, like he's he's preparing to just kill this guy, destroy this guy. And like Toma, the whole group, including the clone, that's an important thing. I would, I would think. I haven't watched the show, but I got feeling that's a decent voice of reason. I would think she is Um, a girl. Yeah, exactly. They all are like, no, don't do it. Don't feed into what they want you to do. Don't do it. They convince him, and then the the clock strikes and then that's when it's announced the annual purge is over and and he he's not happy with it. he like oh like he like backs away and the guy's just like still like knocked out and he like falls his head falls back because he's like now completely passed out um but that that could kind of be the conclusion and then you can also have like a little epilogue of like uh they're now going to kind of side with accelerators like rebellion group but maybe not to an extreme extent because they they probably saw earlier that like the rebellion group is just like killing people like killing quote-unquote the bad guys willy-nilly but they're not all for that but they do think that this is awful they want to shut this down so i feel like um, if they did like stop accelerator by telling him firstly, don't do what they want you to do. That's a good like in character way to get him to second guess it because it's like, oh man, is this what they want me to do? Um, but yeah. <laughs> uh, also, I feel like after the cl- the clock strikes, accelerator probably starts walking away, and his parting words would be something along the lines of, like, you know, don't get in my way again. Yeah, like, yeah. Next time good. I do this my way. Yeah, that'd be good. Accelerator's definitely like that guy. Um, that, yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Yeah, so that, uh, all right, yeah, I think that about sums it up. Yeah. The only thing that makes that final battle like kind of um, atypical is the fact that the bad guy wasn't a chick. Because is it normally <laughs> girls? It, oh, in in index, so many of the like arc villains are women. Huh. Um, so like Toma punches so many women in the face. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're bad guys, right? They're doing a lot of bad things, and like all of his powers in his right hand. What else is he? Yeah, doing? yeah, yeah, and, exactly. Like, like his power is to stop their powers from working. So, yeah. like, what else do you expect? Punching them in the face is, like, his only thing he can do. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, like, a lot of the, the big joke amongst, like, fans of the series is that, like, uh, Toma is an advocate for true gender equality. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He'll just punch a woman in the face if she threatens the world. Yeah. Because like, cause it's always, like, this square, middle-of-the-face, like, 
full-on punch that knocks them like a yard backwards. It's like it's, I I'm having a hard time thinking of okay other than Accelerator and this one guy named Fiamma. I I cannot think of any other men that Toma just punches square in the face. <laughs> like Accelerator is the fir- I believe the first dude Toma ever just socked in the face. Yeah. But, yeah, and he saw the, the long white hair and the, the choker and was like, I thought you were just some goth girl or something. <laughs> choker. He, he uh, actually, that's not a choker. That's the um, brace that keeps his little computer attached to his neck that runs his calculations for him. Uh, okay, I got you. I don't believe he had anything around his neck when Toma first met him. Gotcha. Because um, the picture you're looking at, I assume he's wearing a white shirt with black stripes. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's got you know, the little choker with, with a little thing attached to it. Is he wearing anything in his ears? Like, does he have a yeah, yeah, like yeah. earbuds or something? He's got, yeah. he's got a crutch, like a fancy crutch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's Toma um, after his, not Toma, that's Accelerator after his fight with Toma. Um, okay. Where he was a, um, he went on a mission, like a fancy mission after that on his own, um, where he ended up getting shot in the head, um, oh, which okay. is what dealt the brain damage where he requires that little computer on his neck to yeah. run his calculations for him. Okay. Um, in fact, I think that mission that got him shot in the head was the very first one where he met Last Order and like had to save her. Oh, I gotcha. Um, and that's kind of why he's dedicated himself to protecting her now. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like that's uh, the Purge: Colon Academy City. Yeah. If you hear any weird wheezing or snoring, Frankie is sitting on my lap now. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I don't hear anything. Okay, cool. You might soon. Gotcha. So, it is time for the classic segments. I know, listeners, it is it is not typical for this particular episode format, but we got that whole thing that we just recorded done in like an hour. So, yeah. Uh. We need to pad the runtime. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we are doing the classic segment of TO's movie shelf. Um, so first off, I want to start with so I already gave a review of Monkey King Heroes back a couple episodes ago. Or something. Yeah. Or maybe it was last episode, I don't remember. Yeah. Um, the review was it was mid. Yeah, it was it was kind of eh, you know it was okay, um, and now I have a review because I watched another movie since then. I have a review for Sailor Moon R the movie. Um, it's the first Sailor Moon anything I've ever watched. Hmm. Um, and it was, you know, yeah, it was a '90s Toei movie, definitely. It was only an hour long. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah, yeah, because uh, um, 
you know, back then I think Toei only did like 40 minutes to an hour for every movie. Yeah. Like I remember when I turned on Dragon Ball Z Dead Zone for the first time and saw it was only 40 minutes long. I was like, really? Yeah. This yeah, was yeah. In theaters? Well, Japanese theaters, but still. Yeah. You just imagine like they paid most likely the same ticket price as anything else. <laughs> But yeah, so but the uh, the Sailor Moon R the movie, it was pretty decent. Sailor Moon is based on what I could see, just Power Rangers for girls. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was. Oh, there she goes. She's jumping down. Oh, geez, there she went. Did you hear that? Uh, a little sh- chair shake, but that was about all. Okay. Yeah. She. Um, do you need? Do you want to leave the room? Hang on, real sorry, I need to interrupt. No, what she needs. What do you need? Right, so <clears throat> Tio's movie shelf. Right, Sailor Moon. Um, the Sailor Moon are the movie. Um, the very first Sailor Moon movie. Uh, it, yeah, it was it was pretty okay. I liked it. The animation was nice. Um, the uh, there were a few moments in it though where like I. I feel bad, but I couldn't stop myself from laughing. Like, uh, when, when you have your villain dramatically proclaim, Oh, Mamoru threw a flower at me. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's a little goofy. I mean, I know it's, you know, for young girls, but still, it's, yeah. it's a little goofy. I mean, I get that it was like a flower with like a sharpened stem and he was throwing it as a weapon, but still. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then there was also a moment like towards the end of the movie Sailor Moon is using some fancy crystal that's in like her ribbon that's in like the square middle of her chest Um, and as she's unleashing the power of this crystal the bad guy just reaches for it and grabs it to like suppress it but it looks like he's just straight up grabbing her chest (laughs) so in my brain I'm thinking like I I at least need to cop a fail before I die (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah <laughs> it was just funny to me but yeah it was and it was very it was a very dramatic movie a lot of crying a lot of talking about how important Sailor Moon is to all of her friends yeah and how they wouldn't have anyone if if she hadn't met them yeah, basically saying like the rest of you kind of suck. Sailor <laughs> Moon is where it's at. I think it's more of like I wouldn't be friends with the rest of you if she no, had no, yeah. the kindness it took to yeah to open up. Because like the villain's whole thing is that like you know he was alone for so long. He's like none of you understand what it means to be alone. But like as he's giving this speech, every single individual Sailor Scout is having like a flashback of the day they met. Sailor Moon, yeah, um, and like how they became friends with her, and they're all like, "No, we do know what it means to be alone." We know what it means to be alone. There I was in the back of an alley, in a cardboard box, shooting up heroin, and there, this beautiful, beautiful—she's wearing a schoolgirl outfit. I don't know, but she just walks through the alleyway, and she's like, "Come with me." It may as well have been that for a 
like, you got Sailor Jupiter, whose whole thing is that, like, she's the punk who picks fights, right? Um, yeah. And, like, when, when Usagi, Usagi is Sailor Moon's real name. Um, when Usagi first met her, she asked her, like, you're not afraid of me? And Usagi's like, why would I be? And she's like, oh. It's like, oh, this girl's not afraid of me, even though I'm a delinquent. Um, and, and then, like, you know, each one has, like, a similar story. Yeah. Sailor Moon was my Jesus. <laughs> she said, follow me. And I said, okay. And I Get got ready. out of that wretched place I was in. Get ready to receive some Holy Spirit. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, but it was pretty good. It was decent. I liked it. It was, you know, obviously an hour long. That's mercifully short for a movie. Like oh, that. yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, so now on to the movies that haven't been watched yet. Um, nothing new has been added. So yeah. some, these are all going to be repeat visitors. However, I have reorganized them. So instead of alphabetical okay. order. It's in order of runtime, with the exception of the last one, and you'll understand why once we get there. I gotcha. All right. So, Brandon, with a runtime of about 91 minutes, tell me, what is the plot of The Place Promised in Our Early Days? Dang it. I do really like that promised land thing we did last time. <laughs> deliver us hear our call deliver us yeah the the place promised to us what was the rest of the t- title the, the the place promised in our early days the place promised in our early days uh it i got a feeling tio including most people won't like this movie um because it follows um these children of a very like rich family and uh, their parents die in a horrible plane accident. No, no, no. What's a rich person thing? That That's rich, but let's, let's go. A yachting crazy. accident. And a yachting accident. Yeah. They, they drown and get eaten by sharks in a yachting accident. Um, and the, the, the kids, don't care about the parents at all. They're just like, oh, they're they're doing crocodile to tears while they're at the reading of the will and stuff. They're like, oh, mother and father, oh, it's so bad that they're dead. Okay, can you turn to page one, please? Let's uh, let's get this going. I, I have a, a dinner date with with Orlando Bloom this afternoon. I want, I want to know what I have inherited. Yes, ultimately that's what it is. They're like, I just want to see. I just I want to go ahead and get the inheritance, live my life, um, and then boom. Uh, remind me the title again. The, the place promised when we were the place younger. Promised, the place promised in our early days. Okay, the place promised in our early days. So, <laughs> the place promised um, <laughs> so they assumed that they would get the inheritance because it's like, yeah, that's how inheritance works. Usually it, it's the kids and, and 
And maybe when they were very, very young, these two kids were good. And maybe even their parents were like, they, they took them out to Pride Rock. I was like, all that touches the light is yours. And they're like, really, Papa? It's like, yes. Stay away from those dirty hyenas over there. Like, what the hell are you talking about, Papa? Hyenas. I mean, uh, all the light touches. It's like, no, no, you said that part. Uh, Akuna Matata. That's not even your part. I'm a ghost now. <laughs> Ooh, I'm a ghost. But uh, but no. So so yeah, they they became like awful spoiled kids as they got older. Inheritance gets read to them. They get nothing. They get none of it. it actually, goes to um this couple that the husband and wife met while they were on vacation once. That that was like down to earth and then just they they were like you deserve this so much more so the movie then follows the two children trying to go and kill this couple well, two things one of them wants to kill the couple the other one's like how are we gonna what what does that help we don't get the money if we kill them and so they're they're trying to hatch a whole scheme where they get the money and they kill them but over the course of that, they build a friendship with that couple that was on vacation with their parents. And they realize how great of people they are. And it also changes how the kids are some. And, uh, and yeah, and ultimately, they're all having a grand old time. The kids have changed. Um, at some point, these people do find out their original plan, but they're like, oh, it's all good. But, uh, but yeah, then at, at at the very towards the very end of the movie, they're all friends. It seems like it's going to be happily ever after. They're going to be friends together forever, and they go yachting. And what happens when you go yachting? Accidents happen, and they all die in in a yachting. Yeah, yeah, that that's how it ends. Brandon, I hate to tell you this, but you are one hundred percent correct. That is the exact yeah. plot of the place promised in her early days. Frankie, would you stop? She's being really annoying right now. No, scoot. Scoot. She's taking up way too much space on the chair. There's not enough space here for you to like lean into the corner like that. Alright. Jeez. I'm leaving all that in. <laughs> Alright, Brandon. With a runtime of 94 minutes, what do you think Pompo the Cinephile is about? Pompo the Cinephile. Followed. Are you there, Brandon? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, okay, I thought I thought that um, it cut you out. It's starting to thunder where I am, so I thought maybe things were acting up. No, but uh, Pompo the Cinephile follows a a guy who had a normal life, a regular life, 
um, who his name was like uh, we'll just call him like Doug. We'll say Doug. His okay. name was Doug. <laughs> Doug. Um, and Doug had a normal life and stuff, and then he starts a channel, um, called uh, Channel Spectacular. He starts a channel on YouTube called Channel Spectacular, and oh. he runs a series on that channel uh, called Pompo the Cinephile. He, he makes a character basically, and and this character Doug, who's Pompo the Cinephile. He wears nice, nice little hat. He's got glasses. <laughs> he wears a blazer and everything. And he reviews movies. And, and he has like friends that help him along the way with this. But yeah. as he keeps going with this, he loses more and more friends. He gets sucked down the the cinephile, the, the horribleness of what it means to be a film reviewer and a cinephile he he loses his friends and you can't really tell who's his friend anymore and it's ultimately his fault like his business decisions as this youtube channel is building it's ultimately his fault but he's going to blame it on other people um and ultimately it's just this spiral downward to where his channel becomes nothing and now uh the sequel you'll have to see what happens there but that's pompo the cinephile and he made like several lore movies, and one of them was ungodly long and horrifically boring. And it ends yeah, up yeah. becoming the savior seems, of the universe. It seems like you probably to... already watched this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brandon, <laughs> you are 100% right. That is the plot of To Boldly Flee. Um... <laughs> <laughs> righty. Um. All next up with a runtime of ninety-seven minutes. What is the plot of Fortune Favors Lady Nikuko? Fortune Favors Lady Nikuko. Um. Ultimately, it follows. Uh. A man follows a man uh, named Nikiko, uh, and and he's he's down on his luck. He's he's been dealt a bad hand in life. A man very down on his luck. Nikiko, all right. Well, well, you'll you'll see, you'll see. He's been down on his luck, um, and just 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 can't catch a break in life, um, and. He just wanders into a, a place one day, wanders into this like uh, this little shindig. Um, just, just he's been drinking, he's been hitting the bars and stuff. Wanders into this little shindig and discovers uh, uh, drag and cross dressing. Is there's there's people in drag and cross dressers walking down the runway and stuff. He's like, whoa, like this is this is interesting. This is a never seen this before this is odd um but but he has a conversation with one of them uh as the night ends and as they're they're getting drinks and stuff and the person talks about how um how there's money with this there's there's these competitions and stuff these these drag and cross-dressing competitions 
So man, Nikako, uh, becomes a cross dresser slash drag queen. Um, and he's called lady Nikako. Um, and he starts winning all these cross dressing and, and drag competitions. And it seems that fortune is in his favor because he is scraping in the dough with this. Um, but as all good movies, uh, happen, there's a spiral. He's, he, he, he he hits the tippy top of of the drag queen and in cross dressing uh celebrity lifestyle um but he 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 just has addiction problems and stuff he gets heavy into to heroin and into cocaine and to to all this stuff and it just spirals and you even see him you saw what he was the 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 top of the the drag queens and then you see like another runway performance that he goes on and he's like just stumbling around and he's like, woo, look at me. And he like lifts up his skirts. Like, what are you doing, man? Like chill. Stop. He gets kicked out of that place. And now he's only able to do like drag and cross re- cross dressing stuff at like local bar venues and stuff. And he very, he very much spiraled downhill. Um, but eventually one of his associates, um, finds him as he has hit rock bottom at this bar and he gets rehabilitated and uh, comes back into a, a, a decent status in the cross-dressing community. Well, Brandon, and that is, that is fortune favors lady Nikika. That is 100% correct. Nice. Story of a man whose parents gave him a girl's name. <laughs> exactly. A drag queen. That that also played into uh, his his problems. I mean, like one, like he's an adult, he has like financial problems. But I mean, growing up, he was getting made fun of all the time. Like, look at that. That's oh oh even even back then, it was an insult. They, they were saying, like, oh, look at that. That's Lady Nikiko over there. Look at Lady Nikiko's middle school. He's crying and stuff. But then, as he's an adult and he gets into cross-dressing drag queen, he, 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 like, takes charge of that name. He owns it. He's like, yeah, I'm Lady Nikiko. What's it to you? All righty, Brandon. Well, you're 100% correct. No. Now we're moving on. Okay, so with a runtime of approximately 100 minutes, can you tell me, Brandon, the plot of Popel of Chimney Town? All right, Popel of Chimney Town. Um, yes, I can. Yes, it is coming to me. Yeah? Yes. Very much so, yes. It is it is happening. Are you Googling it? No. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to watch this one soon. I can tell you're running out of one like jokes for this one. No. Okay. If you wanted to know what I was Googling, which I don't know what I was expecting to find, I was trying to find the opposite of a chimney. <laughs> okay. 
anyway, I, I think a sewage pipe would be the opposite of a chimney. Yeah. Well, anyway, that didn't go anywhere. That Google search went nowhere. Um, okay. Popel of chimney town. Ultimately, uh, revolves around uh, uh, I've got nothing <laughs> yeah, trying to I, think. Think, I think this one might have to I might have to move this one up on my uh, priority list then I, I've made my propel joke I made the 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 concentration thing I, yeah I've got you nothing know what? I I think that's going to be uh, my new system. I will base my prioritization of these on whether or not you've run out of jokes about their titles. Nice. <laughs> All righty. So moving on. Brandon. With a runtime of 125 minutes. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, no, it's a Ghibli movie, and those they go on very long. Um, but with a with a runtime of one hundred twenty five minutes, could you tell me the plot of Castle in the Sky? Castle in the Sky. Um, well, basically, Castle in the Sky. Um, this is is a early stage Ghibli. This is uh not not the not the cream of the crop. And it's 125 minutes. Um, ultimately what this is is this is just I mean it, I was gonna say this is a ripoff. It's not. This actually came before. This is kind of what um uh Bob Ross's painting show, what it's inspired by, by this singular movie. Because what it is, is it's uh, Hayao Miyazaki? I'm not Question going. mark? Okay, well, it's, hi uh, yeah, it's Hayao Miyazaki. <laughs> um, basically, and, and it's interesting. I guess this was the fashion of the 80s, but he's got like a big old like afro. He's got like a big, beautiful <laughs> Japanese beard. Big, beautiful I'm, I'm, Japanese beard. I'm imagining, Big Afro. I'm imagining Hayao Miyazaki right now with a giant Bob Ross Afro. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is technically this came out before that. So Bob Ross is just copying this. Oh, so Bob Ross has a Miyazaki Afro. <laughs> exactly. Bob Ross is appropriate is is appropriating Asian culture. <laughs> the Bob Ross oh, yeah, Afro the, was an Asian thing. The traditional hairstyle. Traditional. Yeah. Asian exactly. The Afro. Exactly. The <laughs> used to wear them. Yes. They had their big, like, uh, mountain man beard, kind of. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's Hayao Miyazaki showing over the span of 125 minutes. That's ultimately why this wasn't, like, super popular and why, like, Bob Ross's show was popular because that was, like, 25 minutes. But over the span of over two hours, Hayao Miyazaki shows you how to paint a castle in the sky, which is ultimately his signature thing. Bob Ross came up with his own signature thing, trying not to rip off as much from Hayao Miyazaki. Like Bob Ross's thing is like nature. Oh my gosh, I got gassy. Nature. 
It, it was na- <laughs> it was nature and landscapes and and trees and and bushes and stuff like that. Whereas he he tried uh, differing from Miyazaki at least a little bit, other than the the outfit and hairstyle. Um, Miyazaki's big thing was painting uh, a beautiful architectural things specifically like castles he loved painting castles and a big thing he loved was painting sky landscape something that bob ross didn't do a lot mostly focus in the sky and so over the span of two hours you will see hayao miyazaki showing you how to paint a castle in the sky and what's even worse is yes bob ross ripped off the whole outfit, the look and everything from Hayao Miyazaki with his afro and beard. What's even worse is Hayao Miyazaki during this this two-hour tutorial even says, oh, we're just going to put a, a nice happy cloud right here. Nice happy cloud in the sky. Look at that. And he, he beats his brush against the thing. He's like, all right, let's, let's just... Fix that. That's a happy little accident. It's just going to be an even bigger cloud. And he just completely stole Hayao Miyazaki's whole thing. So that's what this is. It's a, a two-hour uh, uh, thing that Bob Ross ripped off. Cool. You're 100% correct. I knew it. All right, Brandon. With a runtime of... 133 minutes. Oh my goodness. Tell me the plot of Princess Mononoke. All right. So, never seen an XXX movie be that long. Why does it need to be that long? You always you always go for that with this one. Well, you mentioning the runtime helped expand it just a tiny bit. Really, it just needs to be like 10 or 15 minutes, but for some reason. (laughs) It just needs to be like 10 or 15 minutes, but for some reason, they got to make some artsy-fartsy crap, and it's over two hours long, and no one actually gets to the ending. (laughs) Everyone clicks off before the ending. So no one actually knows how this movie ends. So, Tio, his challenge is to see what's the ending of this movie. Yeah, if I'm not completely exhausted by the end. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're 100% correct. All right, last one. This one with a runtime of only 125 minutes. It's at the end for a reason. Tell me, Brandon, what is the plot of Academy Award winner for Best Animated Feature, Spirited Away, a film by Hayao Miyazaki. Spirited Away, a film by Hayao Miyazaki, um, ultimately dabbles into the sequel painting tutorial video to Castle in the Sky. (laughs) Um, This time, he, he realized, like, I just titled it Castle in the Sky. Like, no one... No one's going to know who I am. And so slapped onto it is a film by Hayao Miyazaki. Um, but with this is, so, so the big thing is he 
he was all for like castle architecture and and skies and clouds and stuff like that. Whereas now this is kind of a darker point in Hayao Miyazaki's uh, painting career. With this point, he's teetering towards death. He's getting older, much older. This is nearly two decades after uh, his Castle in the Sky tutorial painting video. So a lot of time has passed. Death is, is, is tiptoeing towards his door. Now it's not even a tiptoe. Now it's like a, a brisk walk. It's getting closer. Um, so because of that, because of this realization, his painting has gotten a little bit darker. He, he, he's painting uh, more, more death-centered things, but, but a little bit uh, uh, fantastical, a little bit whimsical and fun. There, there are spirits. He, he shows you how to paint spirits for over two hours because <laughs> he's showing you what a spirit looks like. He's painting spirits, a tutorial on how to paint spirits. He's also, also keep in mind, it's been two decades since the last uh, uh, tutorial video. He, uh, he, he had some adventures during that two decades. He, he, uh, oh, he partook... Yeah. Princess Mononoke came out between them. <laughs> he partook in uh, 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 drugs, to, to put it lightly, um, hallucinogenic drugs. And so not only are you painting his interpretation of spirits, you're also painting all kinds. Of, you're, painting, you're painting a bird with an old lady face. He's going to show you how to paint that. He's going to show you how to paint uh, 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 a little boy. That turns into a dragon. He's going to show you how to paint that. He's going to show you how to paint an old man that uh, uh, kind of looks like. Well, <laughs> yeah, he'll show you how to paint a bunch of old people. That's a common thing with this whole death thing approaching him. Is he likes painting old people? He likes painting old people and children. I think it's it's that balance, life and death. Um, but uh, yeah, he's going to show you how to paint. Uh, <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> Bless you. He'll show you, uh, he'll show you how to paint a guy called <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> That's just the. Uh, <laughs> hey, Bless you. That's the type of effect that. <laughs> Ayo Miyazaki work can have on you. It can make you completely allergic just by the sound of it, just by I hearing about it. No idea what's happening right now. <laughs> All of a sudden, I just got like my eyes are watery and itchy. My nose just filled up from that sneezing fit. Ugh. Well, that's that's because I was about to get into the next uh, the next thing that he paints which is a thing called no face which it kind of has a face but i guess it's no yeah. face but he shows you <laughs> <laughs> well he shows you how to paint no face unusable and specifically he shows you how to paint no face sneezing because that happens a few times in the movie i mean in the the <laughs> tutorial <laughs> I'm so is, sorry. is no face sneezing 
So I think that has an effect. The no face sneezing can have an effect on the person viewing it or listening to someone describe it. I am so sorry. No, you're fine. (laughs) Bless you. I have no idea what's happening right now. Oh, God. Yeah. And if you if you like that profound effect that Hayao Miyazaki's artwork can have, you should definitely check out his painting tutorial video, Spirited Away. A film by Hayao Miyazaki. The film by Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, I spent a lot of time around cats this week. Uh, gotcha. So, uh, so maybe uh, it's finally just all coming back around on me. Yeah. You lined up a a line of cat hair and, and just snorted it. Yeah. No, because I've been like over, <clears throat> like between Thursday and Sunday, I have been to three separate friends' houses who all have cats. So. Okay. Um, Brandon, uh, you're 100% correct. Sorry, sorry to listeners, that whole bit might end up becoming unusable because of the sneezing fit. Um, we'll see. We'll see yeah, how that's... I feel while I'm editing, see if I think it's funny or not. Yeah, that's just the effect of art. Right the now, it's all in different ways. Funny. <laughs> it feels annoying. That's the thing, yeah. They they always talk about like art and its like effect on like our 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 senses. Yeah. Never never have thought about the effect on like our olfactory senses. <laughs> they never talk about art's effect on your immune system. Oh, turns out I'm allergic to bad movies. Oh, I was in the art museum and I was looking at paintings during the bubonic plague and now I think I have the plague. <laughs> Brandon, if you don't give me plugs and recommendations right now, then I won't pick your daughter up from preschool. Ah, uh-huh. well... I, I guess I won't give you plugs and recommendations because that's a little weird if you pick my daughter up from preschool. Like, but like you and your wife are both unavailable and you asked me to do it. I'm the only one available to do it. That's why I would be picking her up. Okay, gotcha. I thought you just meant like you, you're just going there. Okay. There was an arrangement. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, she can walk. I mean, as as soon as we taught her to walk, I was like, okay, yeah, she you're can. Gonna let a little, you're going to let a little kid walk home alone? I mean, the second we learned, we taught her to walk, we are like, all right, walk across uh, uh, the, the New York streets. Walk through the, the main districts, the main, walk through Times Square. Huh. We're, we're trying to up her in this stuff. So yeah, like, that, that's like, no problem. It's preschool. She's like three or four years old. 
nah, she she's we're trying to train her to be the best walker in any situation. Training her to be a dog walker. Yes. <laughs> I'll have to put an end to that eventually. <laughs> okay. So plugs and recommendations. Plugs, Disney Comics. That's D-I-S-M-A-Y Comics on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, somewhat of an announcement. By the time you're listening to this, this probably has happened. Um, I'm trying to get Disney Avenue number one and two. That's my horror anthology comic series. I'm trying to get the Kickstarter page and all that crap done this week. Like have it, have it to where uh, it's like a coming soon page. Like you can click on it, hit remind me, uh, of when it launches and all that stuff. I would like to launch it mid-October. I'll have to see, though, because usually with these Kickstarters, I like to have the Kickstarter page up two months, at least two months in advance of the Kickstarter. And for this, it'd be like a month and a half. So I'm I'm, I'm debating on it. Plus, it also plays a uh, big factor is uh, if I'll be able to schedule like YouTube shows and interviews and stuff like that. Uh, I know I'll be able to schedule some, but I know some are like, you gotta do like two, three, four months out. Um, and those are no offense to other creators. Those are like the more fruitful ones, um, in terms of getting eyes on it and stuff. Uh, yeah. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, so so the the Kickstarter page likely by the time you're listening to this uh, is up the 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 pre-launch page I should say the pre-launch page should be up for Disney Avenue number one and two, um, so you can follow that. I'll likely launch it mid October. That's the thing is like it makes sense to launch in October, but kind of the only time that would work is mid October. Because I don't want to launch it around Halloween because I feel like there's going to be a crap ton of horror stuff that comes out near yeah, Halloween. might get drowned out in the exactly. of, other, of other Halloween and horror-themed things. Yeah, because if it's like week two or three and it's Halloween, that's no problem. Because usually during that time, you're not seeing a lot of traffic anyway. But I need that first week to kind of uh, not be drowned out. And I feel like it would if I launched it uh near like very close to halloween and i also don't want to launch it close to halloween because it would be ending around black friday time and be using their money for black friday rather than for little old kickstarter yeah um so so it's it's a debate i'm having in my head uh likely will launch mid-october at the worst beginning of december um I'm trying to see what, and even with that, it's like, it's towards the end of that Kickstarter. You have Christmas people like the, the, the Christmas present, you're not getting that comic then. So it's like, Oh yeah, I, I pre-ordered a comic for you. It's like, Oh, we'll be here around Christmas. No, it's going to be here like a month after Christmas. Yeah. Uh, you won't get it till after the new year. 
Yeah, exactly. So, so it's, it's something I'm debating in my head. Ultimately, the best option if I want to get it out this year, which I kind of need to because I want to get these – I want to get Disney Avenue 1 and 2 printed and everything before January 6th to 8th because I plan on uh, having a booth in New Orleans for Fan Expo. Yeah. It'll be my first booth, um, which I actually got feedback from a couple people, uh, and they are like – don't do fan expo. I was like, Oh crap. That's the first one I signed up for. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, um, likely that'll lock launch mid October. Um, let me think that's all the updates on that. Um, I'm buying new art pieces here and there. You can check that out on social media. Gallows man. Number three will likely launch, sometime between january and may i know that's very broad but that's just how it goes um and then recommendations uh i'll I'll say this one it's a i'm reinstating the recommendation so first time i mentioned this the first episode was out it's the rehearsal it just ended the season finale just happened this past Saturday. It's uh, Nathan Fielder's like new show, the rehearsal. Yeah. Really good. Whatever I said before, the show goes a different direction, and I like that though. Um, because you think it's going to be focused on like every episode is like a new him trying to coach someone and rehearse with someone about some big situation or problem they have but ultimately it becomes a like insane meta mind twist of a show to where the main focus is kind of like him uh this lady this like uh very like extremist christian kind of because some of her beliefs are, are a bit extreme um but she she isn't married. She doesn't have kids, but she wants to know what that's like. So Nathan basically sets up a simulation for her where for the course of like three months, she gets to experience that. Like experience having a husband. Like, like these are actors as well. Experience the actor husband, the actor child. And, and there's also like funny stuff that plays with the child thing because it's like uh, like labor laws and stuff. So like whenever they get put down for bed, when she walks out of the room, the window to the bedroom opens and like the crew, like get the kid and like bring them out of the window and put like a (laughs) dummy in the bed and stuff like that. Uh, Like, like just it's, I I don't even want to get like super, I'll mention this. There's sometimes where like Nathan will like be rehearse. He'll do like rehearsals of stuff. But sometimes, like, if, if he's, like, teaching people about rehearsals, he'll then be like, I want to know uh, uh, someone's perspective on the rehearsal class that I had. Because he's, like, teaching a class to these, like, uh, these actors on, like, the fielder method, which is, yeah. like, you're going to be pretending, you not even pretending, you are this person you're this husband or you're this this bystander who's just like changing tires or whatever yeah and he's like i want to see how effective it is to the point where 
he then hires actors, including an actor that acts and sounds almost exactly like him. And he uh, dresses up as one of the students <laughs> and goes and listens in on his own class, which was like word for word, beat for beat, as it was before when he taught it. It's stuff <laughs> like that that gets insane. Oh my God. But even the conversation with himself, the actor form of himself, like stuff like that, it is, uh, it's something else. I, I really like this show. If they come out with a season two, good. I don't see how they can or why they should. I thought this was a great conclusion. Like, ultimately, I'm sure if a season two does come out, it'll be really good because these people know what they're doing. But it's like, I don't know. I just don't know where you go from this because it just it every episode just gets more and more crazy meta and stuff like that to where it's like, I don't know if you can just start from scratch in another season and then just build again. Like, I think this felt good. I'm not sure how you do more of this. Um, but yeah, highly recommend the rehearsal. It's only like six or seven episodes. Really good. Really hilarious. You get a ton of Nathan's awkwardness acting with other people. And like I mentioned, just the, that was just a little glimpse of, the insane meta-ness of this whole rehearsal premise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really good show. Uh, I'll quickly go through these. It's three comic book recommendations. The first one is The Many Deaths of Layla Starr. It's the first Ron V book I've read. Everyone's like, he's like the big name of at dc right now like big up-and-coming guy at dc right now this is the first book i read of his i liked it it's pretty good it was a boom studios book um basically it follows death uh death pretty much a a, a child is born who is going to invent immortality and so like office management of where death is, is basically like, okay, uh, you're out of a job because the boy we were prophesying about, he was born and immortality is going to be a thing. So like, yeah, you, we, we don't need you anymore. Um, and so she gets cast down to be a mortal and basically live a mortal life. Oh my goodness. My dog. Is that death trying to intrude on me? What is this? What the heck? I've never seen that. FedEx just like backed into my driveway. Oh, the package is being delivered. They're here to kidnap you. Yeah, I'm going to close my door. Yes. <laughs> so loud. Ooh, maybe I'm uh, I'm the guy that invents immortality, and this is uh, this is death. Come down to try to kill me. Maybe there's a bomb in that box. So is that what death does? She tries to kill the dude who invents oh, 
yeah, ultimately what it is is like her first plan, and this isn't spoiling anything, this is all issue one. Her first plan is, yeah, she gets cast down to be immortal. She's basically like, okay, well, how I can change this is now that I'm here on Earth, I can find the kid or I can find the person and kill them. She goes to find them and it's a baby. Like it, it just, it was just born. Um, and she's like holding it. She's like, hi, because, because she's now mortal. Like she has like these feelings and stuff. Now she's like, I can't kill a baby. Like <laughs> this is kind of messed up. And she like, like sets it down. She's like, ah, I don't know what to do. And she's like walking out of the hospital uh, parking lot and stuff. Like, going across the street like i don't know what to do or anything and then boom she gets hit by a semi-truck um and she's brought back to life by uh the god of life and uh it's now eight years since she uh died like since she was run over yeah and and now the the child is now older and now she's still kind of thinking about that of possibly finding him and possibly killing him and that sort of thing um it just progresses like that uh it's called the many deaths of layla star because spoiler not really a spoiler uh she dies uh she's not that good at staying alive which is it's i like that that case where it's like death as a person it's just like yeah like <laughs> death just keeps dying um also kind of trying to prevent this person from inventing immortality but yeah. it progresses on it, it it progresses and it's it's great it has some good philosophical stuff um as it's going along as well as uh just um i don't know good like life messages within it i i liked it a lot it was pretty good um the first issue didn't have me s- sold on it it's only five issues but i recommend after issue two you'll probably be sucked into it um there's that then swamp thing winter special number one it's very specific it's literally a issue of a comic um this came out back in 2017, December of 2017. This was, let's see, three or four months after, um, I think it was Lynn Wein, uh, co-creator of Swamp Thing, after he died. Yeah. Uh, and so what this is, the first 36 pages is a Tom King and Jason Fabic Swamp Thing story, which is really good. I mean, you just took one of my favorite comic writers and took my favorite comic artists and you just mashed them together. And I was like, yes, this is beautiful. This was a great story. 36 pages. Do what? Mash them together into the same person. Yes. (laughs) But I mean, 36 pages and it was a very, very well done story um, where basically I assume it's not continuity or anything. But basically, uh, snow in winter is just all over the earth. I'm guessing it's all over the earth. We, it seems that way. And Swamp Thing, he's not really connected to the green because like a lot of it is just like dead. So he's like kind of weak. 
but he still has like swamp thing abilities and powers and stuff. Um, and he's trying to protect this kid, like this little boy, like, like people are, it's like post-apocalyptic kind of like people are like scavenging and stuff like that in this like winter wasteland. Um, and he's trying to protect this kid all while like some unseen snow monster is after them. Um, and because Swamp Thing is like weaker because of this climate condition, because he, there's not a lot of green really, like he, his powers are weakening as well as like he's forgetting stuff. Like he's not remembering things. And the kid is constantly having to, remind him of things going on remind him of why they're here what they're doing that sort of thing um that's the basic premise but i that 36 pages very very great story and then the rest of the book because like 80 pages long the rest of the book is like a memoriam of lynn ween like the editor an editor that knew him very well and was an editor for this book uh, gives like a very good like foreword um, for Len Wein. Uh, it's very good. Like normally I don't read forewords or anything like that, but yeah, it was a very good forward. You could clearly see they, they had a connection and a bond. Um, and then the last part of the book after that forward, because I mentioned it's a forward, is it's a forward to the first issue of a Swamp Thing comic that he was writing and that they were making before he passed. Mm. Um, and he had it all scripted out. The thing that he didn't have was like dialogue scripted out. Okay. So like before he passed, didn't have the dialogue scripted out. So what they did is they took the script and they did the art. Like while he was still alive, they did the art and stuff for the pages they just didn't have the dialogue. So they printed it um, just as like the art story. Like it's a comic page, but with no narrative boxes or word balloons or anything because they didn't want to like put words in, like, like interpret what Lynn yeah. wanted to say, basically. They wanted the reader to experience the most that Lynn had to do with it without hiring someone to interpret what Lynn would have said in this dialogue box. Cause ultimately it wouldn't have been his words. Yeah. Um, and it was just really, I don't know. It was like very like touching and like sweet to, to turn through and see and read. And then the last few pages, you can actually read the script, like the, the non-dialogue script of each page that Lynn had written to yeah. help you better understand what's going on in the story. And, I don't know. Like this is one of my favorite single issue comics just because there's so much going on with this. And this is like, there, there's always like the, the in memoriams or like uh, uh, memorializing stuff that Marvel or DC does for their creators. That happens all the time with various stuff. This was like one of the best in memoriams I've ever seen. Like, it didn't feel fake or, or pandering or not saying any of them are but yeah. sometimes do feel i don't know superficial 
Um, I'll, I'll definitely have to give that one a read myself because you know me, I like I like Swamp Thing. Um, yes, but also uh, for me personally, Len Wein is an important um, uh, comic book creator. Because he co-created one of my favorite superheroes of all time, Wolverine. Yeah, Wolverine, yeah. Um, while writing an issue of one of my other favorite superheroes, Incredible Hulk. Yeah. So Ludwig is, for me, a very important creator. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, like this, this single issue, like people can find it. You can go to your local comic shop and maybe find it. I, I tried that because ultimately I am trying to help keep local comic shops a thing because i feel like a couple decades from now it's going to be very very rare yeah um but if you can't find it at your local shop you can find it on ebay that's where i got it uh i paid like 13 bucks maybe it's a 7.99 cover price because it's like an oversized issue but shipping everything i paid like 13 bucks i would recommend though i think they made a second printing and I, I don't know how the second printing looks or feels like. I would probably recommend getting a second printing because um, my theory is the reason they did a second printing, one, they probably sold out of issue one or, or the first printing. But two, with issue one, the paper is extremely thin, mm. even for a comic to where it's nearly impossible to not like – dent it will not not even not really tear but like dent a page as you're turning it um and that was a little bit frustrating but that has nothing to do with the story or anything like that ultimately great comic but if you can find it i don't think it's in trade anywhere that's the thing that kind of stinks with this i don't think it's any any swamp thing trades or anything i think the only way you can get it is the single issue but if you can find it get a get a second printing I also like the second printing cover a little bit more. It's the same exact cover, but it kind of looks like the old Swamp Thing uh, font and stuff like that. I kind of like that. Um, so, yeah, that's that. And then the very last recommendation is a webtoon uh, called Everything is Fine. Um, this is a pretty good webtoon i've been meaning to get around to it i hate that it took me so long to get around to it but i feel like i may have heard of this one you probably have it, it's one of the the bigger ones um it's an ongoing one like currently chapter 37 came out last night i still need to read that chapter but yeah i'm going to keep up with this weekly the premise that's on webtoon I'll read it and then I'll need to specify a little bit just because it gives you some information, but maybe you need a little bit more to hook you in. So the, the premise is Sam and Maggie are a normal couple in a normal house in a normal neighborhood. There's nothing strange about their heads, their neighbors or their sweet little dog. Everything is fine. So Clearly, you read that if you have like at least a little bit of a brain, you're like, okay, something's up. Clearly, not everything is fine. Uh, that that does seem intentional to to list all that stuff is like, yeah, everything's normal. 
it's like it's like uh naming your your show regular show when it's anything yeah. but yeah yeah um, uh not saying this is regular show i'm not saying it's yeah, it's here's, here's wacky or comparison. yeah yeah exactly but um but yeah follows sam and maggie this couple who uh without spoiling too much yeah they do have a normal life but there's some things that are a little bit off like like teddy bear masks for heads i was about to say like uh that they have cat masks as heads oh cat masks. yeah yeah that they have cat masks as heads that they uh everyone's so like 1940s 1950s talking with one another like the classic like nuclear family commercials like that type of talking like oh sweetheart how are you doing today like there's no like strife or anything really yeah. um you're, you're wondering about that oh there's there's cameras on every street post what's up with that um just various little things here and there that seem a little bit off um, and I don't want to say much more than that. I ultimately do recommend checking this out. Uh, read like the first three chapters. When it comes to webtoons, it varies with how long a chapter is. These like you can read a chapter in like a couple of minutes. Yeah. So read the first three chapters. It'll just take you like five or six minutes and kind of decide if you want to continue from there. I'm really liking it though. Uh, so much so that uh yeah i i binged it in like and like one night i started reading at like midnight and fell asleep at like 1 30 and then finished it that morning um and i even read uh because uh, it's split into parts like the the writer and artist wrote part one which is like 30 episodes 30 chapters and then they're like, okay, I'm going to take a break and then we'll get into part two. But before we get into part two, I'm going to do a Q&A and fan art next week. And then you can read that Q&A and fan art. And that's like one of the first times I've read like a Webtoon Q&A. I usually don't care about them. But with this series, I was like so curious because there's so much mystery. You think you understand stuff, but a lot of times you don't. I was reading reading the Q and A, and one of the questions was like, uh, uh, "Do you have an ending in mind? Like, like, do you have an end goal? Do you know how long the series will be? That sort of thing." And uh, the person was like, "I, I know the steps to get to the ending, and I know what the very last panel will be. I know exactly what it will be." And they said, "What you have just read." is part one i'm planning to make this five parts and i was like holy crap five parts because when you read part one you're like i have no idea where this is going this could end at any point but apparently there's going to be five parts so yeah again i still have no idea where this is going but everything is fine it's a, a very good webtoon um not sponsored by webtoon or anything i've even mentioned uh some dislike for webtoon because over 90 percent of it is the lame weird tumblr girl stuff yeah but the carnby kim stuff the d 
DC Webtoon stuff that's currently coming out and this are kind of the outliers of the typical Webtoon stuff. So everything is fine. I, I definitely recommend it. All righty. Well then. Uh, for Okay, so. <clears throat> um, and now it is my turn, I guess. Okay, I'm. I I don't know why I'm never ready to just segue into this naturally. <laughs> um. So for plugs for me, uh, you just listened to it. Store brand comics. Congratulations, you found us. Uh, thank you very much for listening. This is just a hobby podcast that me and Brandon do every week, so it means a lot that anyone would listen to us for any length of time. Um, so yeah, if you are interested in hearing more from us and want to come back next week to hear us, uh, one thing you should know is that we don't really have a consistent day, uh, specifically that we release on. We focus on weekends between Friday and Monday. Um, so if you are interested in hearing us from week to week, I recommend hitting whatever subscribe or follow button is available to you on your podcast app of choice. Um, just to make sure like you're getting notifications and keeping up with us as we uh, upload new episodes. And if you don't care enough to do that, then uh, thanks for listening this time anyway. Uh, and joining us for this episode. But uh, other than that, um, my recommendation for the week. I only have the one. Um, so me and Clay went to see Dragon Ball Super Superhero in the theater. Um, nice. And it was really good. Nice. Yeah, I, I was debating on it, and then I watched a review last night, and it completely sold me on wanting to go see it, because I heard a big focus is Gohan and Piccolo. Yes, this is Gohan and Piccolo's movie. Um, yes. And then, like, the rest of the supporting cast, basically everyone that wasn't in the Broly movie is in this one. Okay. Um, now, still squarely on Piccolo and Gohan specifically, but, mm-hmm. uh, but like, everybody kind of shows up in this one and gets the chance to do something fun. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, um, in my opinion, a great way to really get gohan and piccolo back into it like back into uh uh a position to be important again for dragon ball um it's nice to see that these characters are capable of solving problems without goku and vegeta's help yeah yeah um because like a huge point of the movie like a major plot point is the fact that like something's popping off um, no one on Earth feels like they're prepared to deal with it, so they're trying to contact Goku and Vegeta, who are training on Beerus's planet, but due to a series of circumstances, are unable to reach them. Yeah. Um, and so, like, they like a big point of the movie is like everybody's freaking out, like, how are we going to deal with this without Goku and Vegeta's help? Like, it's just us. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I will say the mo- the movie. I think focuses a little more on Piccolo than Gohan over its runtime, which I'm okay with. I like Piccolo a lot. Yeah, but that's fine. Um, and like the final battle that the two of them get together is very interesting and fun. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so I recommend it. The animation is great. A lot of people were whining that it was you know 3D CGI instead of hand drawn 2D, uh, but the way they do it in this movie, it looks fantastic. Okay. And they like immediately take advantage of the fact that it's in 3D. They go for shots and angles that you just can't do efficiently in 2D. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 good looking. It's well done, and it focuses on some very underserved characters. Yeah, because who, who really deserves to be back in the spotlight? Because I'll be honest, up until yesterday, um, when I saw that review, I wasn't going to watch this movie until it came out on DVD. Like, uh, but when I watched the review and they had mentioned the focus isn't Goku and Vegeta, not there's. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I love Goku and Vegeta, but that's all the show in the series has become is the Goku and Vegeta show. Um, It's good to see these two characters, specifically Piccolo and Goku. Go, can't even talk right now. Piccolo and Gohan, who had a bond. They had a bond, and then you don't really see much of that as the show goes on because it's like yeah they're let's push them to the side a little bit um and you also saw a level uh, of gohan where at one point gohan was the strongest but i I have no problem with the the say a man saga or anything like that but during that time after the cell games like yeah no more training for gohan hit the books don't be like your dad. Um, but it is good to see him back into the fold of things, as well as see Piccolo do something. I haven't yes. seen Super. I haven't seen Super, but the last time Piccolo did something was beat one of Cell's forms. That was the last time he did something in Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I do believe Piccolo was one of the uh, choices for the tournament of power, like Goku and Vegeta wanted him on their team. Okay. But, um, and like tournament of power, I feel like was an arc in super where like they were just kind of giving everyone one cool moment before Goku went and won the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or well, before Goku got his big fight winning the whole, uh, have you seen it? You has, you said you haven't seen super, right? I haven't seen it. You, you can spoil it though. I'll, I'll oh, see it yeah, eventually, but you can't like spoil a crap ton when it comes to Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z, in my opinion. So, okay, I guess I would say it's best to say Goku fought his opponent to it. Mm-hmm. Um, technically, the winner of the entire tournament was 17, but he was on Goku's team, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Android 17 was technically the winner of the tournament. Okay. But, um, but yeah, uh, but like yeah, the the whole that whole arc that whole fight um, was basically there uh, to kind of give everyone at least one cool moment. I think before the end of the series, yeah. Um, so like you know, Piccolo got to do something fun. Roshi got to do something fun. Krillin in eighteen got some cool moments here and there. Gohan at 17. Even Frieza, who was on Goku's team as well. Yeah. Um, I feel like the only one who didn't really do anything super useful 
and I don't even remember whether or not he was on their team for this one, was Majin Buu. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, actually, I think they... I don't, I don't really... I have a hard time remembering because sometimes the events get jumbled around in my head and it's been a couple of years since I've watched it. But um, yeah. I believe there was one tournament over the course of the series that they participated in as a team where Boo forfeited his spot in the tournament because they were supposed to complete a written test before doing it and Boo took a nap instead. Okay. Uh, but I feel like that was the first one of those rather than the last one of those, but I can't remember. Yeah. Regarding this, which I think the person that reviewed it said this, but I just want to confirm and, and don't say exactly how they beat the bad guys, but is it just uh, this crew fighting the bad guys? It's not the typical Dragon Ball thing where it's we'll fight them and then, oh, we weren't able to get with Goku or Vegeta, but now we're just trying to hold off and, and wait till they get here. They don't actually come and save the day, do they? No, the, the crew okay. who fights the bad guy are the ones who beat him. Okay, good, good. That That's all I, I needed to know. Yeah, I that that was the... Dragon Ball is great, but that's the biggest thing that happens. Not just like, Goku or Vegeta, come fight this thing. But more of like, the thing that happens all the time is like, oh, we need Goku or Vegeta to fight this thing, but they're not here. We got to hold the person off. Till they get here, it's like yeah, it's 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 not just a running down the clock situation. It is exactly a fight good, good. where those present are the ones available. Good, good. Um, I want to say everyone except Goku, Vegeta, um, Roshi, Yamcha, and Broly are there. Okay, cool. So, like the everyone I just listed are the ones who are absent. Because I believe Boo was taking a nap through the movie. Okay. So I'm assuming Oolong uh, gave the final striking blow and saved the day. I forgot I needed to be there. Gotcha. (laughs) Oolong and Poir weren't there either. Gotcha. Oh, and obviously Whis and Beerus were off on their world. And it wouldn't be... It wouldn't be typical, normal Dragon Ball fashion if uh, Hercule didn't get all the credit for winning at the end. Oh, right. Sorry. Hercule wasn't there either. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Satan didn't show up for the fight. And while Videl was in the movie, she wasn't there for the fight. Yeah, her Pan was in it. Yeah. Oh, Pan is awesome. She's adorable. I love her. Yeah. Um, Her relationship with Piccolo in particular is really fun. Awesome. Because Piccolo is training her. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, uh, but yeah, like for the whole movie, Goku, Vegeta, and Broly are like training with Beerus. Oh, okay. I gotcha. So, oh, and they mentioned, so I'm assuming it's been a few years since the Broly movie happened, like in Dragon Ball's timeline. Okay. but okay so anyway so when they're training with Broly they do mention that while he's gotten better while they're training every once in a while he has little freakouts. okay I gotcha <laughs> okay alright um, that, that's that's my Dragon Ball Super thing 
go see the movie if, if it's still available in theaters by the time this episode comes out. Um, nice. I gotta I gotta stop. My the sneezing fits are starting to get worse. <laughs>